0: Welcome to the Generation Y podcast. My name is Will and I'm Jean. And this is a podcast and a community designed to help young adults thrive.
1: Because young adulting is hard, so we want to have conversations that are helpful and important to all of us.
0: Today, we are starting a monthly series called Book Report, where we read one of our favorite or most helpful books and we share with you what we learned. So today, Jean is going to share with us what she learned from Ego is the Enemy. This is the Generation Y Podcast. Well, welcome back to what some people... To story what's, time. To what some people describe the greatest show on earth.
1: Oh my gosh, don't they just?
0: Do you remember that movie, The Greatest Show on Earth? Not to be confused the with The Greatest showman? showman. No, The Greatest Show on Earth. It was a show about a traveling circus. Similar... Um, but I remember there was like a trapeze artist and he crashed he crashed as if he was flying a jet He crashed through a net and oh, he paralyzed his arm hmm
1: I totally remember my this. grandma used
0: to make me watch it with her
1: And then some girl had to like walk the tightrope or something. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing God bless the 90s. The
0: point is welcome to the greatest show on
1: earth. Yes, absolutely
0: <laughs> That's great. So today we are uh, starting a new monthly series Called book report. One of our it's a
1: book report. One of our favorite <laughs> parts
0: of elementary school and middle school.
1: Oh, I hated doing book reports. Really? I love them now because I love reading. But I was a terrible student growing up.
0: I can see that. Okay, so the point is, we're starting a new monthly series called book report. It's where, a book report. <laughs> <laughs> where once <laughs> once a month, we are going to share some of our favorite learnings from some of our favorite books. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these might be um, self-help books. They might yeah. be just things that we found helpful, things that we found fun, whatever it is. Last and
1: month, we did one on change based on Carrie Newhoff's book, Didn't See It Coming. That's right. And it was...
0: It was a hot take.
1: It was a hot take. The whole thing was, was a hot take. It was delightfully confrontational. Just like this month's book, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday.
0: Our hope from this is that through this, you find value. You find things that are helpful for you. Maybe you don't have time to read a book right now. And maybe we can just be like, hey, this is what we learned from this. And this is helpful for yeah. us. And we, Here's some spark notes yeah. via podcast. Gene
1: Kelly Cliff Notes.
0: And so anyways, the book is called Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. So first question, Gene, why did you read this book?
1: Okay, so I was rereading this book for this book report. I'm not, so I could be cheating, Mm. but because I was reading it for a completely different reason than the first time. The first time was three years ago. I was going into a major season of change in my life and realizing that I had, I was probably the reason that things didn't go the way that I wanted. It was pretty clear that I had sabotaged myself and someone suggested this book to me and I found it extremely confrontational um it opened up a whole new world of self-loathing right (laughs) but um the the benefit was i both realized that yes my ego had gotten in the way of everything that i had totally misunderstood what ego was and that every mistake i made are the mistakes that all humans make and i benefited greatly from reading the book the first time the reason I wanted to reread it now is because, um, not because of my career. It's because you
0: knew you had a book report coming yes, up. And yes, and I like, wanted
1: one I knew. So This is not a book you want to do a book report on because <laughs> it is so incredibly dense. And there are so many lessons that there's almost no way to sum it all up. Um, so I highly suggest reading it. But I wanted to reread it now because the state of our nation right now.
0: Things aren't going well.
1: Things aren't going well. And... <laughs> We have a lot of drama uh, with the upcoming election. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, and we're in the throes of a fight for racial equity. And what I'm seeing in our country is that we have several different camps of people, and they fall along this spectrum of egotism. And I see that on this far end, we have a group of people that... Their egos are not allowing them to live in reality, and instead they're living in a world they've created or in delusion, as they talk about in this book. On the far opposite end, we see people who have adopted a sense of humility, who seem to be able to engage in tough conversations um, that they aren't defensive, and yet they can defend what they believe with open hands enough to learn something new, which then makes the listener less defensive and more open. So let me
0: ask you this. When I imagine when a lot of us think of ego, and myself included, when I thought of ego, I think, oh, that's that's not me. That I mean, if this person has a big ego, that just means that they're arrogant or prideful. That's not necessarily how this book describes ego.
1: Absolutely. I think that in our culture, we tend to mistake ego for arrogance. That seems to be like the closest thing we tie it to is almost this like overconfidence. Right. But... Ego is also has can have the opposite effect. It can bring about your greatest insecurities, your greatest self-doubt, and it can sabotage you in every way of actually learning and growing and achieving what you're out to succeed at.
0: So ego is something that everyone has.
1: Yes, you're born with it, and to a degree, to a very small degree, your ego is there to protect you. But what it's there to protect you from is your ultimate demise. And that sounds really dramatic because it is. It doesn't want you to try something because if you fail, you might be ruined. Your ego thinks in those terms, very big, very dramatic terms. And you don't know it's thinking that. But when you are about to pursue something and you start to hear a bunch of like negativity and self-doubt, that is your ego actually attempting to protect you from ever trying. Um, then on the other side, the side we know more about, the arrogant side, it can trick you into thinking that because you succeeded, you're somehow better than, you're special, you forget all the hard work and um, the like high standards of excellence that got you to success. And it basically fails you because you don't think you need to live up to those things anymore because... You've collapsed your success into thinking right. that it's just because you're special.
0: So give us the high level aim of this book. Like, What was it that the author Ryan Holiday is trying to accomplish with this book?
1: So Ryan Holiday breaks this into what he thinks is a cyclical sense of basically, I mean, I he's talking about our careers. You could put it in terms of your own personal life, which sure. is why I read it this time. But in the sense of our careers, he says that we are in a constant state of either aspiring, succeeding, or failing, and that it just then starts over, and we're never not in one of those phases, kind moving of, into the next one.
0: Kind of like laundry. Sure. If is unless you're naked, you have laundry to do. You're never. Well, finna- if you're
1: naked, you have laundry to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but just think about it this way: you can be doing laundry and you can wash every piece of laundry. But if you're wearing clothes, you got dirty clothes.
1: Exactly. You're always in that. State. Always in the
0: cycle. Um, it's the same.
1: So basically. What he is saying is that um, a lot of us think that our, our biggest impediment to our success is actually the outside world. It's external forces when, in fact, the biggest enemy in our lives is inside of us. And it is our ego, which is something that we, like you said, we're born with. We can't avoid it. So we have to consciously and continually fight our ego. Um, he he talks about um, but basically career wise. Early in our careers, it impedes our learning and the cultivation of talent. Then with success, it can blind us to our faults and so future problems. And then in the last state, in failure, it magnifies each blow and makes recovery more difficult. So basically at every stage, your ego is holding you back.
0: So you describe this book as confrontational. Yes. What about this book was challenging personally for you?
1: Well, I mean, despite the (laughs) other than the fact that I did almost everything on the list, um, I just, I don't think I realized how big of a role ego played. Um, I was someone who definitely thought that ego was basically synonymous with pride. Right. I didn't realize, um, as one author described it, um, Anne Lamott, the novelist gave this illustration about ego. And this was something that I don't think i had ever grasped until I read what she said. She said to imagine your ego, like, Um, like a radio station. And she says this out of the right speaker in your inner ear will come the endless stream of self aggrandizement, the recitation of one's specialness of how much more open and gifted and brilliant and knowing and misunderstood and humble one is. Then out of the left speaker will come the song of self-loathing, the list of all the things one doesn't do well of all the mistakes one has made over and over an entire lifetime the doubt, the assertion that everything one touches turns to garbage, that one doesn't do well in relationships, that one is in every way a fraud, incapable of selfless love, that one has no talent or insight, and on and on and on. I Isn't that I, suck? That hurts. Well, it's to kind even of like here.
0: It's kind of like your own angel and devil on your shoulder. Yes. I, I imagine that when you were reading that, I feel like I was challenged more by one of them than the other. Would you say that that's true for you as well?
1: Um yes, I mean I think that or I feel like
0: one voice speaks louder to me than one speaker is definitely louder than the other. Yes.
1: I'm I don't know about you. For mine it's it's the negative one. Right. So it's this ridiculous paradox of the ego that says I don't have what it takes. I can't really do anything well. Um I'm a fraud in every way. But I'm too good for that job. How dare they speak to me like this? Don't they know who I am? Right. And we do both.
0: Yeah, we do. I I think when I hear that, I I naturally gravitate to the side of I'm an optimist and I tend to just like see the world in rose-colored glasses and sometimes to see myself in rose-colored glasses where I'm like, oh, it's fine. Like everything's fine. This is great to where, you know, I'm sure there have to be reality checks where they're like, hey, I think you need to practice a little more at this or like, hey, this sure. and I was like, oh no. Um.
1: Well, to that point, I think that um, in, the, in the success portion of this book, they talk about um, always staying a student, which is also part of the aspiring phase. Like you need to be a student, um, which also requires really suppressing your ego because that means you need to have the humility to learn from others. But then once you reach a level of success, um, which I mean, you could say that you have,
0: I have a very successful you podcast. Are
1: super successful. <laughs> um, but basically, that once you reach success, that you need you need to suppress your ego so that you can come from a place of that understanding and mastery is fluid and it's a continual process. You're not done. You're not done cooking. And right. that basically, the day you stop learning is the day you start dying. I mean, it's very dramatic. That's how they put it in the book. But um, they talk about it like this. They say that humility engenders learning. Um, Because it beats back arrogance that puts blinders on. It leaves you open to truths that reveal themselves so that you don't stand in your own way. Yeah. And that is tricky because that just means constantly forcing yourself into a place of humility and suppressing your ego so that you don't end up sabotaging yourself.
0: So how does Ryan Holiday tell you to do that?
1: So the way he talks about being able to both identify and suppress your ego is in a lot of these cases, we can be really resistant to criticism, but the one thing that we don't really build up a resistance toward is praise. We love when people say things that make us feel good, but by leaning too hard into that, we can become almost absolutely resistant to being able to receive feedback and pride and ego dulls all of these senses. Um, And what it can even do is tune up your more negative parts, like sensitivity, a persecution complex, and the ability to make everything about us. We have to cultivate protection against validation and gratification that comes our way as soon as we show promise. Um, And to do that, they suggest asking yourself two questions. I'm sure there are tons of questions, but I think this was a really good place to start. They say, ask yourself this when you feel pride or ego. One, what am I missing right now that a more humble person might see? And two, what am I avoiding or running from with my bluster, franticness, and embellishments?
0: Hmm. I think that as we talk about a little bit of that, um, there are people who have difficulty receiving compliments or difficulty receiving praise. And that's interesting to me as I hear you say this, is that it could that be something that they're avoiding? Um, I think of the way that I grew up. I grew up Um, in a home where I was celebrated for everything. Everything I ever did was on display. It was like, look, you know, look at how well Will's doing at this, or look at this thing that you made or this thing that you did. And I learned to live off of praise. I Mm -hmm. learned to do things just for the praise or just for the applause or just for the recognition that I would get because of it. And then what happened was it became really difficult for me to put work into things when I knew that there wouldn't be praise right and I think that that's probably true for people but I think it's also the opposite is true for people as well
1: for sure I mean I'm assuming everybody as soon as they leave school has experienced that you no longer get instant validation for doing a good job you leave school and now you could work really hard on something and get no praise well
0: see that's the thing that's the thing about like school, like, and when you're in college, you know exactly where you stand, mm-hmm. exactly where you stack up compared to the rest of the class. You have a, you literally have a grade that just yeah. says this is how good you are. Mm-hmm. Well, then when you go out into the to the real world, you're just expected to make A's, but you never get the A.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless you become wildly successful, and at that point, if you don't reach that. Your ego tells you that by comparison, you're garbage.
0: That's that's why I feel like money in a lot of ways is so tied to ego or it can sure. it can be because in some ways it's a grade and a status and it is a litmus test of how well you're doing. Yeah.
1: Well, and um, back to what you were saying earlier, I, 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 f- I find your question really interesting about um, people who can't accept compliments, but I don't know whether that's ego or not. I know for me, it's not that I didn't like praise, but it depends on the values taught in your household or in your community. Boastfulness was about the worst thing you could ever do. Being a show off was the most shameful. So I would find myself as a kid wanting, I, I sang my whole life and was always entertaining my friends. And then I learned this thing, that this is the most shameful. I went from being able to sing in front of people all the time, just like living in my own world, to I no longer sang in front of people for fear I'd be a show off. Hmm. I only sang in talent shows because that was a socially acceptable way to show a talent and it's not showing off and it's not being boastful. I became someone who could not accept a compliment. But that wasn't from a place of humility. It was from a place of shame. So who knows what all of our motivations are?
0: Yeah, I was to show off as a kid. Um, So did anything about this book as you were reading this, did anything like um, make you angry?
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, angry at myself. Yes. Like Like what? Oh, my gosh. There was this one section. So in the aspiring chapter, one of the very first section is called talk, talk, talk. And in this section, I was like, oh, well we've been set up to fail in this regard. We live in a culture of constant self-promotion. You can't just be a person anymore. You have to have a personal brand Mm -hmm. and it's exhausting and it forces us to essentially tell a story. But what happens is we tell that story for so long that just from a psychological perspective, eventually we collapse that story into reality and we now can't tell the difference between our real life and who we really are and the story we're telling online. So this has become a normal phenomenon for anyone to do, even, just if, even if you're a high schooler or mm-hmm. if you're a celebrity. Either one, everyone's doing it. And we kind of feel like we have to do it to remain relevant. The problem with it is we waste so much energy talking about what we're going to do, what we're about that eventually we end up spending so much energy because talking and doing Mm -hmm. pulls from the same well of energy. We spend so much time talking about it and promoting about it that we end up thinking we're actually doing something about it.
0: Wow, if that isn't a call out.
1: And I am super guilty of this during my music career. I fell into that trap of I would talk so much about what my vision was and talk about what the plans were and talk about where we were headed and it would make me feel productive when in fact I hadn't done anything yet. I mean I was writing and we were in the recording process, but I did not have a product. Right. And yet I was, I was promoting it all along the way, which meant there would be days or even weeks sometimes that I would feel fully content that I am working so hard toward my goal and now looking back, I'm like, no, you were just talking about it.
0: I think that ego might play a role in who we date, what kind of job we have. Oh, yeah. Like, just because you might be dating somebody and know that they're not good for you, but you stay with them because they make you feel good about yourself. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you, you, you know that you're not compatible, but you know that the status of having that person, you, you have a fear that you might never find someone that elevates you the way that that person does. Maybe you have a job that you hate, but you love the title. You love the title that you have because of the ego that it gives you, but you hate the job that you have.
1: There is a section in the success chapter under what is important to you, which is so important to answer because you have to decide what is actually important to you, what actually matters to you, and not what your ego says, because your ego will sway you, and He tells this amazing story about it's at the end of the Civil War and Grant and Sherman are like the two most respected and important men in America. And essentially because they were responsible for the Union victory, the president was like um, or the country was like, we're so grateful to you. You can have anything you want. Well, Sherman, who had always just been this like super humble but successful man who had always focused so much more on the doing instead of the being, um, which I. Our culture pretty much tells us to do the opposite, like be all these things and not talking us through like, what are the action steps? So Sherman's basically like, yeah, no, I'm good. I just want to I just want to retire to New York City. And he did that. And he lived by all accounts like a very content, happy life. Meanwhile, Grant, who had expressed no prior interest in politics, and in fact, has succeeded greatly as a general precisely because he didn't know how to play politics. Chose instead to pursue the highest office in the land, the presidency. So here's what happened to him. Because he's a hero, he's elected by a landslide and then presided over one of the most corrupt, contentious, and least effective administrations in American history. So he's this like genuinely good and loyal person who was not cut out for the dirty world that he was in. Um, And they said it made quick work of him. He left the office a maligned and controversial figure after two exhausting terms, almost surprised by how poorly it had gone. After the presidency, Grant invested almost every penny he had to create a financial brokerage house with a controversial investor named Ferdinand Ward. Ward was a Bernie Madoff of his day, and he turned this business into a Ponzi scheme and publicly bankrupted Grant. As Sherman wrote with sympathy and understanding of his friend, saying Grant had aimed to rival the millionaires who would have given their all to have won any of his battles. Grant had accomplished so much, but to him, it just wasn't enough. And he couldn't decide what was important to him and what actually mattered. And he says that this is basically how it seems to go. We're never happy with what we have. We want what others have too. We want to have more than everyone else. We start out knowing what's important to us. But once we've achieved it, we lose sight of our priorities because ego sways us and it can ruin us. Now, the story goes on for Grant that he was this great man and he was compelled by a sense of honor to cover his debts for the firm. So he took out a loan using his priceless war mementos as collateral. Broken in mind, spirit, and body, the last years of his life found him battling painful throat cancer and racing to finish his memoirs so that he could leave his family with something to live on. And he made it just barely. Hmm. Is that not the saddest story? And I'm just like, God, he just didn't know what he wanted. And because he didn't know what mattered to him, he was offered something he didn't even want that wound up only bringing him unhappiness. But he took it because his ego swayed him.
0: Hmm. So uh, my original, you know, I was going to ask the question, who is this book for or who would like this book? But then now after hearing you talk about this, it sounds like everyone.
1: Well... Everybody values something different. And like I said, the first time I read it, it was about my career. The second time I read it, it was that I just realized in our country right now, we need a massive ego check. Uh, Mm -hmm. We need to get our pride out of the way because we are becoming so divisive by not being open to learning, um, not being willing to call out things in ourselves that we've been Mm -hmm. wrong about. And I think that for anybody who is at that place in their life, but they're not exactly sure how to fight these things and they need some guidance, this book will not only just read you for filth and call out everything that you did or didn't know you've been doing, but it actually gives you tools like
0: what are some of those tools and talk about
1: this is more of a personal thing, but I would highly recommend reading this book like this. This book is broken up into three parts, like I said, aspire, succeed, and failure. But each one of them have sections, like I said, talk, 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 and don't tell yourself a story and all this stuff inside of each section. When I went through it the first time, at the end of each section, I stopped and I got out a note card and I asked myself every question or answered for myself every example that they gave and found examples in my own life where I had believed something I shouldn't have where I had fallen into that trap and I wrote it all down so that I would be like, I fully understand this as a concept before I move on. And sometimes I would only do one section a day. Like Mm. I use this almost as a workbook instead of a book that you read because it is, like I said, so dense. And it was, it was incredibly helpful. And looking back now, I still have these notes at the end of each section and I'm reading through them and I'm like, some of these, I still have some room to grow on. Mm. Some of these are still an issue for me, like the negative, si- negative talk side of ego. But the arrogant talk side of ego, just being able to look back, seeing that progress is, I mean, it's incredible.
0: I feel like of a lot of the conflicts that you have in life, um, ego, a lot of times, is one of the main contributors to those, like Absolutely. If, if you and I are in a disagreement about something. Typically, it's because during that disagreement, I am seeking to be understood instead of seeking to understand. Yeah. And really what that is, is just my ego. It's just me not wanting to be fluid and flexible and learn and understand. And, and this is true professionally or personally. The minute you stop asking questions and the minute you stop thinking that you have something to learn is the minute you will stop growing.
1: In this book, it talks about that element of always staying a student and it. This is what this is what I think I couldn't articulate exactly when I wanted to pick this book back up in light of everything going on in our country right now. But I read this section um, on page – it starts on page 104 um, about under always staying a student. And it says that too often, convinced of our own intelligence, we stay in a comfort zone that ensures we never feel stupid and are never challenged to learn or reconsider what we know. Yeah. That is exactly what we are seeing yep. in our country right now. I mean, regardless of what of That's what so sides because... you feel like you're on, and I, I mean, God, I hope we get to a point where we don't feel like we're on sides. But, but if you are on opposite ends, there is this ego that says, I am right, and what I'm right about is also my identity. And so if you disagree with me, right. not only are you wrong... You, as a person, are wrong.
0: Or if... In order for me to change my mind would mean that who I am currently is wrong. And I'll just say this too. It is really difficult for all of us to recognize ego in ourselves. Right. To recognize, you know, they say check your ego. The reason you have to check it is because oftentimes it goes unchecked and it just sits there beneath the surface. Yeah, And and
1: it sounds like it's you talking.
0: Right. And so something I think is helpful and someone named Jeff Henderson, you know, coined this phrase for me. and, And he said, ask someone the question, what is it like to be on the other side of me? what is it like to be on the other side of me? Because here's the thing, if you lack self-awareness, you are the last person to know about it. And so, if something is ego, maybe you're struggling with that, ask somebody close to you and just say, hey, what do you experience from me? What is it, what's it What's it? like to be on the other side of me? And I said, oh, you know what? If this is a safe space, here is you know something that might be helpful for you to check your ego.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, to do that, you obviously need to have pretty open hands. You need to be open to that criticism, and not just open, but actually seeking it out. And one of the things that they talk about in this book is, is you know, suggestions for this: pick up a book on a topic that you know next to nothing about. Put yourself in rooms where you're the least knowledgeable person. That uncomfortable feeling, that defensiveness, when you feel when your most deeply held assumptions are challenged. What about subjecting yourself to it deliberately? change your mind, change your surroundings. It's incredible advice. And it's truly something that right now we as a nation and just as people need to put ourselves in those situations. We need to pull ourselves out of this idea that we have it all figured out even if we truly feel that it's righteous
0: Mm. because
1: we don't know everything. And there's so much more to learn. And what will happen is we'll say, oh, I have no problem with doing research. But is it research that confirms your bias? Because we happen to live in an echo chamber, all of us, no matter where we live. And if we don't seek out information that opposes that, then all we're doing is looking for information that confirms our current worldview, and we're rejecting anything that bumps up against it.
0: Yeah, how have you changed your day-to-day life after reading this book?
1: I've tried to become more attuned to what is my voice and what is my ego? because truly, it is different parts of your brain. You have different voices. You have one that is truly you, and then you have one that always sounds defensive. That is your ego. And I've really tried to learn mm. the difference in those voices so that I can check myself. yeah it's been it's been an absolutely invaluable. It has changed the way I interact. With success, with my career, with my relationships.
0: No, I think that's so good. Um, I'm really excited to. I know the book's been out for a while, but I'm really yeah. Excited this is to not a it. this
1: is not a new book, but everything that uh, Ryan Holiday talks about in this book is so relevant and and honestly, it's why I was drawn to rereading it now. I think it's more relevant now. Than it was in our culture ten years ago. Yeah,
0: when you think of all the stagnation that's happening in our bipartisan government and and you know on our Senate floor and things like that, I feel like so much of what keeps things stagnant is ego. If you would just yeah. be willing to move, then we could start making yeah, progress. Yeah,
1: a willingness to challenge your long held beliefs and don't hold them like they are you, and realize that you. You are an entity unto yourself and that your beliefs and your opinions are like a breeze passing by you. And throughout your life, you will reach out and you will grab hold of certain beliefs and certain opinions, but you're not supposed to hold on to them your whole life. If you are evolving and you're growing, you will have periods of your life where you let go of something you've been holding, and you grab onto something that is new, something that probably rejects some of your old beliefs, but you are, when you're open to learning something new, you will experience letting go of something old.
0: That's great. The book is called Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. We will link it in our show notes so that you can go and check it out and read it. I'm really excited to read it,
1: it was as well. It was so... It was just so good. I, I, Thank I, I, you, Ryan Holiday, for writing this book. You've saved me twice in my life already.
0: Yeah, yeah. And our hope is that by reading this book, it would be as helpful for you as it has been for for Eugene and, and for me when I read it. Um, Absolutely. So we'll, we'll put a link. Make sure you use the link that's in our show notes there to get this book. Um, again, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. And uh, if this was helpful for you, share it with a friend and subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes, which come out weekly. And we will. This is our first book report. Yeah. Um. We hope and, you liked it. Yeah. We hope you like uh, Jean's book report. I felt like today. I was back in college. <laughs> and so we're gonna do one of these episodes, uh, one of the book report episodes every month. So it'll be my turn next month. And what are you ve- gonna do? Ooh, maybe Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I mean, just kidding.
1: I love that journey for you,
0: but <laughs> uh, all seven Harry Potters. Perfect. No, I don't know. I haven't picked yet. Don't rush okay. me. I still have a month to think about it. <laughs> so this was Book Report. We hope that you guys enjoyed this. And, Book Report! And as always, please uh, give us a follow on our social, at Gen Y Podcast. That's at G-E-N-W-H-Y Podcast. We post all sorts of premium content.
1: Premium, top-notch, on quality content.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we would love to hear from you there as well. Or you can shoot us an email at info at Gen y Podcast dot com. We love you guys. And at
1: that email address, if you have any topics that you'd really love for us to discuss on this podcast, please shoot them to us um, because we're always looking for ideas and we want to know what you guys want to learn more about.
0: That's right. Maybe we'll do a series on rating breakfast cereals
1: Ooh. based on
0: consistency, crunchiness, ability to and dissolve in mouthfeel. <laughs>
1: um, also guys, um, we would love for you to rate us. If you, if you like this podcast, if you've enjoyed listening to it, we would love for you to rate us. That's super helpful for, um, for our
0: egos, for
1: our egos. Just kidding. Um, I mean, it helps, but mostly by rating our podcast, it helps other people find our podcast. Yes. And Um, With that being said, if you think of a friend or a family member who could benefit from this podcast, who is on this journey as well, please feel free to share it with them. We would love to have them join our community.
0: That's right. And as always, we'll see you next week with another episode of the Generation Y podcast.